All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hi, everyone. We're pumped to be able to share an exclusive trailer with you after the show. From Blue Wire Studios come Golden Goal, stories of soccer legends. Narrated by fellow Blue Wire host Brandon Kelly, each Monday, two new episodes will take a look into some of soccer's biggest stars and the moments that define their careers. From Holland, Zlatan, Messi, Rapino, and many more, each episode will focus in on the historical plays and personalities that make the sport great so stay tuned after the episode and listen to golden goal stories of soccer legends wherever you get your podcasts this is a web canopy studio production Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. It'd be interesting to tie together, Tim, all the 100 episodes to see how the intros are. If they're all the same, I think I've toned down my intro levels just a little bit. I used to scream. Now I'm a little more subdued. It just depends on what kind of mood you're in. I know. I think I'm in a – it just is thunderstorming right now here, and I just lost power. So I'm a little – maybe a little scared right now. Dude, it's sunny here. It's not raining at all. Oh, really? See, I'm only, what, probably 10-minute drive from you, tops. And yeah, yeah. We, we are getting hit with a big thunderstorm right now. Oh, the nature. Isn't it funny how it works like that, Tim? Are you Just okay? Are you scared? Are you doing all right? I'm by myself. My kids are sleeping. I'm doing okay. Doing a podcast with you. Everything's okay. So what is not okay is when you were gone for 4th of July, I did a, I did a podcast solo. And I thought it was the best podcast we'd ever done. And I go to upload it and I messed up in the converting from Zoom to audio. And then I had to garbage trash the whole podcast. And it was so good. Oh, so upset. What made it so good? It was just me and my thoughts and everything. (laughs) Well, and I really dug into the the CBA deal that the players were going to sign. This was before they signed the CBA, before that thing got ratified. And I really dug into what the players need to kind of shoot for, what the owners are shooting for, all the ins and outs of it, and how this is a massive, massive deal in order for this league to get going. And sure enough, they signed the deal two days later. My podcast would have been totally relevant. But what are you going to do? Say la vie. We can kind of salvage it. My, my thoughts are already in order. We can kind of go through it today. Now that the deal is signed, we can kind of go through and explain it to everybody and what, what the deal means 
how is it is so important for the players, especially because they were the ones who really needed this deal in place in order to move forward because they were looking at a big, big, big IOU to the NHL if they didn't get this deal in place. So this is a huge deal for the players and the owners as well, but it's big for hockey fans all around because now we're, we're assured hockey for the foreseeable future, five more years now, which is great if you're a fan. So let's kind of go through that, Tim. And um, I think it'll be fun. You, you don't know much about it, right? No. And it's funny because we, we were talking about it a few minutes ago and I feel like I, I saw the headline, but I kind of just assumed that any major news was coming related to like returning to play this year. And I think I, in my mind, I just clumped all these headlines together. I didn't realize that this huge deal got signed. Yes, yes. And I think this was the thing that was the biggest hangup. And Panarin mentioned it a few weeks back when he mentioned the escrow. He's like, I'm not going to return to play if we don't have something in place to kind of control this, this out-of-control con- out thing that just keeps increasing, increasing, increasing. So I think his comment kind of spurred negotiations. And that put the fear in the owners a little bit. Because the owners just assume the players will just roll over and do whatever they want because that's what's happened in previous lockouts. The players have really gotten worked over and raked, the, raked over the coals a little bit. And to have a star player with his caliber and his, you know, his marquee talent, he's in New York, he's in the big market, kind of come out and say, like, listen, we're not going to take this anymore. We want some cap on this escrow. We're not going to keep paying for the owners' shoddy business decisions. So it was really a big deal for him to come out and say that. And you, you can see – with the deal that they signed, the escrow, it's a big win for the players. It's a massive win to have that. And we'll get to that later on when we, when we kind of work through the deal. But that was, I think, the tipping point for players that we're taking this serious. We're willing to sit out a season. We don't want to come back unless something is done about this because it, it is, it's the biggest mistake that the players let happen in previous deals, the escrow. They thought it would be a good thing. I was in um, the negotiation committees and we were cussing the last lockout in 2004, 13. I think it was, oh. when um, those guys enacted the escrow and they didn't put a cap on it. When the owners, when they brought the escrow idea to the players, they said, listen, are you for this? And the players were like, sure. They didn't really have an idea what it meant. And the owners brought it to the players' attention. They said, would you be willing to throw this escrow at us just in case the 50-50 revenue you guys ended up owing us a little bit of money in the back end. The players thought, yeah, that'll never happen. You know, we're, we're going to build the game. The owners will always get their money. And the owners offered the cap, but they said, listen, if you give us this escrow, we'll cap it at 8%. But the players said, no, how about this? No cap. And they went for something else. And so that decision right there cost the players hundreds of millions of dollars by not capping escrow. Because obviously everyone knows what happened. Escrow... 12, 13, 14, 15%. It was, it was the norm when I was playing. And so to have that capped at 6% for three straight years, it's a big win for the players. Mind you, the owners aren't stupid. They know that they're going to get a big TV deal. So their revenues are going to jump a little bit. So maybe they took that into account. They said, well, yeah, we'll cap it at 6% knowing that their revenues are going to get a little bit of bump because of the national TV deal that they're about to sign. So and the new franchise joining in. They're getting some revenue there, too. So, anyways, let's get to that down the line. Um, Tim, how you been, man? It's been a long time. How was your fourth? It was good. Yeah, it was good. Pretty low-key. I uh, just hung out with some family and had a couple uh, outside beers, but that was about it. Pretty laid back. How about you? Say, you know what? I um, I have a rental property that I operate, and our cleaner has been pregnant. So, 
we I've been doing all the cleaning on my own. Are you referring and... to your wife, John? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. She has a baby now. She is. She is. She's like literally days away from having a baby as well. Um, gosh, hours away. But our our cleaner, our usual cleaner, there she is pregnant, and so she just had her baby. I think a week ago. So she's been un- unable to clean for us. So I've been out there cleaning, and it just so happened that we had a turnover on Saturday, the fourth of July. So I was out there humping laundry and doing dishes and scrubbing floors and doing windows and stuff. I have six hours to kind of take my cottage I have on the lake and just do a complete flip for the new renters before they come in. So it's a pain. It is honestly a pain in the behind. But so that's what I was doing on the fourth. And it was uh, it was a lot of work, but you get it done. You know, it, you do what you got to do. But I did have one funny moment. It was it was more of a a moment for a parent to kind of just go, okay, it's not only me. I went downtown. I needed to buy garbage bags from the grocery store. So I was downtown. I was coming back to my car. And all of a sudden I hear is a mom go, Johnny, no. And I see a little kid running across the street. And this is a, it's a smaller town. So it's not a busy intersection, but she was from out of town. They were obviously on vacation and she didn't know. And so she was screaming, Johnny, no. And the kid just kind of saunters across the street. And the dad is following behind this kid and the wife goes to him. She goes, Scott, you're supposed to look after John. And the dad gets this look in his eyes and he looks at his wife. He clenches his fist. He goes, don't even get me started. And he's just like shaking as he's saying this. And I just die laughing. I'm like, Oh man, I've totally, I just loved it. I love when other people lose their minds for some reason. I'm like, okay, it's not just me who has these moments where I just want to like strangle somebody, not my wife or my kids, but just anybody in general, where I'm just like so upset at just the whole situation. And what topped it off is like two seconds later, I just loaded my garbage bags and I got some water softener, salt, whatever I was, I threw it in my car and I hear the wife talking to the husband. She's got him by the arm and she's like, what has gotten into you? (laughs) It's just like thinking probably this, damn vacation he's sick of all the kids and the wife and all that stuff they probably drove there i was just like oh it's so funny i don't know i got a kick out of that no one else probably cares but i just thought it was hilarious that just made my whole fourth of july cleaning session worth it to see this dad have just a complete meltdown in the middle of a crowded downtown area (laughs) it was great on the fourth of july not too happy huh on the fourth of july just like losing his mind and his wife just like what has gotten into you scott and I could just see him just clenching his anger and swallowing it. And you said he's an out-of-towner too? Oh, for sure out-of-towners, yeah. You can spot a, a um, what's it called, a uh, person on holiday from a mile away in this area. They're just like looking around, driving 35 in a 55 area. I'm just like, ugh. So he's he's on vacation on the 4th of July, and he's just absolutely miserable. Oh, he's yeah. Got a wife nagging at him. He's got a kid running around like a maniac. Until you know the pleasures of being on vacation, spending thousands of dollars and being completely miserable because your family's driving you nuts, you haven't lived, my friend. I've done it many times. Where I'm just like, I just paid 10 grand to fly all the way to Europe, but I'm losing my mind because no one's listening to me. I'm just trying to get somewhere or get to a restaurant. This is great. I could have did this at home. It's so. These are the stories that make me think like, okay, maybe I'll just make a great uncle someday. Yeah, but then there's a million other stories where it's just like, this is the best decision of my life to have kids. So the, the good ones far away the bad, but man, the bad ones are just terrible. 
<laughs> it's just like, oh, great, we're in Disneyland and you're losing your mind because you didn't have that fourth, fourth scoop of ice cream on your ice cream cone. Great, great. How about thanks, Dad, for spending all this money and braving the heat to bring me out here? Yeah, it's funny. It's a selfless act, parenting, but man, it's worth it, Tim. It's worth it. It just reminds me of uh, my my one of the most petty stories I can remember. I was I was not even that young. Like I was in like middle school, so 12, 13, 14, something like that. And my dad had gotten my brother and I. He went out in the morning, like Saturday morning, got us bagels. Came back, toasted them, uh, and he brought them to us. And we were like watching TV in the living room. And he like wasn't paying attention. So he gave my brother the two top halves and gave me the both bottom halves, which, as you know, is the worst part of the bagel. And I and it was like a poppy seed bagel. So all the good stuff was on the top. And I was so mad. I flipped out like he had just like just just done me a horrible, horrible wrong. <laughs> and I thought I was like had the upper hand. I'm like, I can't believe like he's going to get he's going to help me out and get back at me for this. And he got he turned it around on me so quick. He flipped out at me for being a brat and, he, and rightfully so. But this is the kind of things like as a parent where like I just, he probably just spent an hour out of his morning to help us out. And because he made a simple mistake and gave me a wrong half of a bagel, I was I flipped out at him. And you forget about like probably the 30 things that happened before that, where you were just like getting all this great stuff. Kids are so short-sighted. They have blinders on. They just worry about what's in front of them right at that second. So if you're handing out popsicles and all the kids get a red one and someone else gets a white one, oh man, that kid who gets the white one is going to lose their mind because they (laughs) wanted the red one. And there's no getting past it. It's like the end of the world. You just stabbed me in my heart. How how dare you? It's just, (laughs) oh, and there's no coming back from it. Even if you just say, hey, hey, guess what I got right here? Five red ones. Do you want them? No, impossible. I want that red one earlier. You ruined my life. So it's, it's honestly just, there's no, there's no arguing with the kid who's just made up. They're going to be just teed off. It's just, it is what it is. You just got to roll with it. Tell them to go to timeout and you'll deal with it later. All right. Moving on. That took a little bit longer than I thought. I just love that story. Don't even get me started started oh you know they like just went at it too later it's great it's so great okay so tim let's talk about the deal they signed let's let's go through it item by item by item do you want to start off with just the critical dates when training camp starts when teams have to report this and that when the draft day is because these are little items that they had to kind of hammer through that Rightfully so. They probably didn't have any pushback either way. They just picked a date and said, yeah, that works. Let's, let's move on. So we initially said on this podcast, training camps will start July 10th, right? Something like that. Yeah. July, July 13th is the day they're going with. Teams are slated to arrive in the hub cities of Toronto and Edmonton by July 26th, but camps are open July 13th. So Whatever that means. I don't know if that means you can have camp in your city and then move to Toronto and Edmonton beforehand. That might make sense. Gather the teams in your own cities, and then you get a private jet, and you fly into Toronto and Edmonton. They do the test there. You quarantine for one night, and then you're free to go. I think that's probably what they're going to do. Not a big deal. Not a big issue. Everybody has to do it. The draft, August 10th. Not a big deal. is usually held around that time. Big deal. Free agency for the first time ever will happen November 1st. Big deal? Not really. The season's going to end mid-October. Free agency is going to follow right after that. Okay. A big deal I thought was the opt-out clause. So you see all these other leagues saying their top guys aren't playing. Basketball has a few. Geez, the whole Brooklyn Nets team is not playing. Did you see that? No. 
yeah, like three of their top guys are not playing. They just said, we're, we're done. Peace out. Like, we're not going to go down and play in this bubble at Walt Disney World. So they opted out. A couple of big baseball players have opted out. Uh, I heard Mike Trout might not play because his wife is pregnant. So it is kind of Zimmerman from the Washington Nationals says he's not playing. So that has happened in other sports league. There was rumblings in the NHL that they were going to suspend players if they didn't play. But in this deal, they said, no, we can't do that. If you want to opt out, you can opt out. Big deal. Kind of. Do you see any players opting out, Tim? No, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard to say. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have thought so. But after seeing what's happened the last week with the other players, especially NBA and MLB, maybe maybe they do. Yeah, it's. Um, I just. I guess if you have a a wife or kids or any kind of underlying issues, maybe you have a, a respiratory issue or something like that, that might be a cause for concern. If you're living with your, I don't know if it's, it's a player by player decision. And obviously whatever decision you make, you shouldn't be judged on it. So we'll see. I, I don't see any players opting out. Hockey seems like it's a more inclusive community. I don't know if that's good or bad, but it seems like when a whole team decides on something, everybody does it. Whereas basketball and baseball and football, they seem to have more individuals and like one guy, like look at a team like Brooklyn, three guys said they're not going to go and the rest of the team's going to play or, baseball teams the star player says no and the other guys say but I, I don't I don't see that happening in hockey I see if one guy says we're not playing then they all don't play so I don't see anybody kind of jumping ship not that jumping ship that's kind of a negative term but I don't see anybody opting out and the big sticking point here was in the pension they break up the pension um, criteria as four quarters and that's obviously a four quarters in a season so 20 games bang 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 you were going to lose out on that last quarter of your pension if you didn't opt in but they said, no, we'll give you the last quarter of that pension. And that counts towards your end number. And that's a big deal because if you can, you know, get two, three, four years of pension, that's a big check coming your way at the end of, end of your career. So that, that's a big deal to get that quarter, which will, gosh, I, I think a quarter is worth 25 grand at the end of the day, a year. So it's not like a, a small chunk of change. Okay. Playoff share. This is like a little carrot for the players because they're losing so much money in the HRR. This was a, I did not expect this, but this is like a big win for the players. The playoff share, usually they get $16 million for a playoff share and they kind of break it off de- depending on which round you go out. First round, you get a few thousand. Second round, you get maybe 10 grand. Third round, you get 20 grand. If you make it to the Stanley Cup finals, the losing team makes 100 grand. The winners make like 150 grand. So they doubled that to 32 million bucks. That's a, that's, that's a nice chunk of change. If you make the Stanley Cup finals and you win, you get a quarter of a million dollars. Like that's, that's a player's salary sometimes after taxes and everything. That's a big deal. So for the players to kind of win that, I, and it doesn't seem like a lot for an, ex, for an extra $16 million, but when you've just lost out your last paycheck and you're looking for a little extra money, like that's, I don't know, that's not nothing. You know what I mean, Tim? Yeah. And I mean, what's the logic for that? Like why would they put that in the, uh, the new CBA? I think the players, they were looking for ways to gain money back into their pockets because as we'll find out later on, they forfeited their last paycheck. And sometimes that's a big hit. And if you're going to play extra hockey, if you're going to play into October and November, like you have to make it worth my while. And that's just an extra way for the players to get incentives to play, basically. Gotcha. And they're losing so much money so much money the players are losing even though they're still coming back to play they are losing so much money it's criminal how much money this pandemic costs them well it's not criminal but it's it's eye-opening how much money they're gonna lose okay 
what else? Um, do you want to talk about the salary cap or the, to how long the deal is going to be? Six years. That's a good, that's a good number. I don't know why they did it for six years. They just, it's going to end in 2025, 26. There's a player option, I think for a year following maybe, or is it owner option? It's an owner option and they can enact that if the players still owe them debt from the pandemic. So if the players still owe them more money, this term gets extended basically. Makes sense. It does. Yep. And they can extend the escrow debt to another year to hopefully recoup all the money that they've owed the salary cap. This is another big deal. It'll be frozen at $81.5 million. And this is, I think where the owners won because the initial proposal that they were talking about was they were going to freeze the salary cap for two years and then increase it incrementally based on the HRR. So now this salary cap is frozen at 81.5 million until revenue returns to 4.5 billion. And this past year, revenue was 5 billion. So basically revenue has to return to this year's level or last year's level, excuse me, when hockey was at a pretty good place. So in the years to come, I don't see people racing out to the ticket stands, racing out to buy season tickets, racing out to do anything. So this could extend for five, six, seven, eight years. And if the salary cap remains stagnant and just say it hits 4.5 billion for a few years and the salary cap is still $81.5 million, the owners are making a lot of money at that point. Because if the salary cap is supposed to rise and this and that, like the owners are making less money, obviously. So I think this is a big deal. And that's just my opinion. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? Bet Online has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. Now that's one word BLUEWIRE. Bet Online. They are your online wagering experts. salary cap is flat for all six years oh yeah and yeah at least right is that the first time they've done that because usually you don't know year to year right there was a built-in increase in the salary cap that the players enacted every year it was a five percent increase built into the last cba so after every year the players would have a vote and they said would you like to enact a salary cap bump and everybody rightfully so always said yes because if you say no you're basically kind of screwing the guys who are in free agency, part of my language, because they increased it for when your year, when you were in free agency, and it's just taking money out of the system. And the players, you want money into the system, so the owners spend money and you make more. That's basically it. So this is the first time it's been frozen like this for a long time, forever, I think. This, is, this will be the first time. 
Yeah, because usually you don't know until like, you know, in the springtime, they'll say, okay, salary cap for the next year is officially announced, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's usually a month after the season, the players will vote and they'll say, do you want to enact it? And everyone's like, yes, obviously, let's move on. It's not usually a big deal. The only time it was a big deal was when escrow jumped up to 14 or 15%. That's when we had a serious conversation and guys were actually hesitant and they said, I don't think we should do this. But I think calmer heads prevailed and we said more money in the system is going to be a good thing and the game is growing and it'll eventually kind of get to where it has to be. And we, we were right. It was good to keep the money in the system. Are, are the, are the players in those meetings usually on the same page or is there like a lot no. of course? Yeah. It, it's funny how when you're in those meetings, your situation, you get caught up in it and you start thinking selfish to start a, instead of thinking as a business and as like a, a league. So if you have a guy in there negotiating, and he already has a five-year deal set in. He doesn't want to put more money in the system because just in case the, the league doesn't grow, then escrow is going to increase, and that's going to affect his back end. So he's voting no on increasing that 5% bump, whereas guys who are free agents, they're just glaring at him like, hey, dummy, do you remember last year when you didn't have a deal and escrow was still at 12% and we voted yes? So like, do the right thing and kind of pay it forward sort of deal. But that definitely happens where if you need a majority vote of 80%, say, there's a lot of guys who vote no. And it, it's, it's not, I wouldn't say tense, but there are definite heated arguments and conversations that happen because the way it works is you get this big conference room. You have the Donald Fair, his brother, and Matthew Schneider, and a couple of player reps, um, Jay McKee and Rob Zamner are usually in there. And all the player reps sit around in like a big, it's like a big rectangle and you just talk and you're in there for hours and hours and hours and hours. And you're going over issues, player safety, equipment, salary cap, traveling, everything you can imagine. And usually you get, you, you're moving right, right along. And then sometimes something comes up. It's like, well, this team had too many back-to-backs this year and we we're, we're not going to stand for it anymore. And then you get teams out East who have no back-to-backs because they don't have to travel. It's not a big deal for them. They kind of stick their toe in there and say, well, we don't mind it. But a team like, Chicago or LA or San Jose or Vancouver back-to-backs are awful because you play a game in St. Louis and you have to fly back and play a game in Vancouver. That's a lot of traveling, but a team in like Boston, you play back-to-back. It's like New York and Boston. You sleep in your same bed both nights. So little things like that, individual players and teams kind of butt heads a little bit. So I don't know. I I answered your question super long, right? It could have been a five word answer. I mean, you know, it's cool insight into these meetings. Like there's, the better player you are, like the louder the voices in the room, or is it kind of like an equalizer? Once you're in there, you're all equal. Yeah, it's, I was a rep, gosh, I think I was a rep my first year in Minnesota too, maybe a, an associate rep, or I, I felt a little intimidated speaking up because, yeah, you're sitting there and you look across the table and you see like John Tavares and you're like, oh man, like I, I definitely don't have the same weight as he does. But you do. That's, that's the thing that you don't realize. But yeah, the contracts come into play, the, the tenure in the league come into play. And those kind of wear off. Like once I got a little bit older, my third, fourth, fifth year, I got a little more boisterous when I realized some of these players are complete dummies and they don't know what they're talking about. And they just want, they just want their own room on the road. Whereas let's, you know, maybe fight for something more important, like a pension or like HRR split, something like that. Because play, like sometimes players are just so short-sighted. It's like, well, we want to have Gatorade in the locker room on the road. It's like, yeah, that's great. But would you not want a better pension? Well, no, but like, sometimes I drink Pedialyte, like, man, like, you know, but a pension when you're 70 years old and you, you want money. Yeah. But I like those little gel packs that make me feel good. I'm like, you guys are just hopeless. So 
Yeah, but it's probably gotten better because young guys kind of control the league more now where they're maybe a little more a little more weight to their voice. But back then, yeah, I was a little nervous. We'd be in there and there'd be Jerome McGinley and John Tavares and these guys sitting around. I'd be like, oh, man, like I am a little bit over my head. It was overwhelming to say the least. Yeah, and, but it's not just like it's not you against them or you with them. You're representing like 25 guys, right? So it's – yeah. And so I would, we, after the meeting, I would kind of gather my notes. I, w- I would fire off a, a call to everybody or draft an email and I'd send it back to my team and I'd get their input. And this is like, yeah, I'm trying to like Miku Koi was called like, I, I'm trying to like give these guys information. Like this is my captain. I've been in the league for 45, 50 games. I'm just like saying, no, I don't think we should do that. I think we should go this route. And like, I think I know what's better, you know, for us. And I've only been in the league for a cup of coffee. Meanwhile, these guys have been in the league for a decade, sometimes more, and so it's, you know, it's a balancing act. But I think at the end of the day, the players do all kind of rally together and they all have each other's back. That's the important thing. Yeah, right. Because the moment there's any kind of, like, indecisiveness or the owners can see there's a crack or a split between the players, they just go after it and they know it. And that's when they've won. So that's why whenever we would have these meetings, it was so important not to talk to the media. We'd be like, don't say a word. Even if we're disagreed on one thing, just say we're a united front. We agree on everything and we're going to do all as one. And that, that was so hard because players just get out there. They start to talk and it's just like players just, you know, there's, there's a few on every team who just are, are rats and they just talk to the media and they just kind of information gets leaked out. But did you, for the most did part, you get they do asked to do a lot of interviews about, uh, you know, CBA and cap related stuff. No, cause I wasn't a known guy. Right. And so I would, and I, I just kind of went about my business, but the, the big guys, the stars who were in those CBA negotiations, they would get the interviews. I would just kind of be there in the background. Yeah. That was fine with me. I didn't really want, like, I didn't really care to do interviews about, about that stuff. All right. So salary cap capped for, for foreseeable future. Um, this is something that I thought was silly that the players wanted included that I don't think they needed to fight for was Olympic participation. Like who cares? You know, don't even make this up. Like I get it. The players like it. It's fun, but I don't think this should be one of those things where it's like, Oh yeah, we got that. Like a feather in our cap. We won that one. Don't you think it's like, who cares if you go to the Olympics? Great. If not, whatever the owners like it. Cause it builds the game. The players like it. Cause they go and like have fun. It's a cool tournament and they get an extra break, but it's just like, I, I, I don't think it, I don't think it needed to be in there. That's, that's all I'm saying. Oh, I disagree. I think it's a huge deal. I mean, that was the thing that people were super excited about on Twitter and on social media was the fact that they get to watch the best players in the world again. But I don't yeah. think you, you know, I, I mean, maybe it's, it's, it's a little bit, it doesn't have the same weight um, past the, like the spectatorship of it that, you know, as some of the other business bottom line revenue type things that are in the CBA. So I see your point of like, Hey, let's, let's keep these things separate. But you know, from a fan perspective, from a growing the game perspective, I think that's a huge, huge thing. It is. But what, what my point is, it should not have been included in the CBA. That should be a separate entity where it's like, okay, let's get this CBA wrapped up. Talk about stuff that affects NHL revenue and salary cap stuff and stuff that affects this, this league here. And then afterwards, we'll have a conversation about the Olympics. The owners are smart. They said, well, listen, give us a couple more points here and we'll let you guys go to the Olympics. You know, it's, it, it should not even be included in the NHL CBA. That's, that's just my opinion. I don't, I don't think it's a completely separate conversation. And I think it's great. Yeah, great. It's great for the league. Like best players in the world. I love that. Should not be included in the NHL CBA. That's just my opinion. When the owners brought, would have brought this up, I would have been like, why? Like, 
why are we bringing this up? Let's just try to get back to playing NHL right now. This has no bearing on if we're going to play in the NHL this year. Like, come on, just focus, focus, focus. Stop trying to distract us with like funny colors and bright lights. Like this is like a, a win for the players, but it's not because it, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything in my mind. Do you think like the table starting like a little tilted when, I mean, not that you guys aren't smart. There's obviously super smart players in the NHL, but you're up, you're up against businessmen who do this for a living who negotiate and have won, you know, that's how they built their, their money. Like, how are you supposed to out, outsmart these guys? The, the head of the NHLPA, Donald Fair, is a genius. And, I, and I, I'm not even exaggerating that. He's very smart. He worked baseball for years and years and years and years. And he's been with hockey for the better part of, gosh, 15 years now. So he, he knows what he's doing, and he knows what to fight for. So I, I don't think we're at a disadvantage. The disadvantage, the only disadvantage I could see would be the players need a paycheck, some of them. And the owners know that. And so they, they know there's a sense of urgency with the players to get back to work because they need that money. The owners don't need it. They're billionaires. So that's the only advantage that the owners have where they know that they can kind of lean on the players a little bit and force them to sign. That's what happened with ours, with my deal. It got to Christmas and I think some players started to feel the pinch and they panicked and they just said, let's sign a deal and let's get this on with. So, but no, like the players, they have, they have representation. They, they know they know what's going on. They're pretty smart. They're, they're well-versed uh, by Donald Fair. All right. Should we move on or do you want to – anything no. else, Tim? That's good. So um, another little one, no signing bonus limits. This is another win for the players. No signing bonus limits. So the owners wanted a limit on the signing bonus because the signing bonuses are big for players because you can get all that money paid up front. And once that money's paid up front, it makes it easier to move players around. So if you sign a $100 million contract – and $90 million is paid up front, that money's already to the player. Then you can trade a player and he's only making 1 million bucks. His cap is worth more, but just say you trade, trade a guy like Marion Hosa to the Arizona Coyotes. He's only owed $1 million, but his salary cap is 6.7, something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think it's a big win for the players. It just gets more money in their pocket quicker. You can't send them down. You can't do anything. If, if my cap hit is $10 million and you've already paid me all of that, and you send me down, I still got that 10 million bucks in my pocket. Or if you, you're, if you release me, I still have that money in my pocket, you know? Yeah. So a, li- a little detail that people don't really pick up on, but it's, it's a, it's another win for the players. Uh, the owners, I knew this was going to happen. Well, I didn't know, but the, the final paycheck, like I alluded to earlier, goes right to the owners. They're, they're out a lot of money with the escrow. The escrow wasn't going to cover their losses. So million roughly from their last paycheck goes to the owners, whatever. A little bit of a hit to the players. This is where we get to the money. Escrow cap. Next year is going to be a tough pill to swallow for the players. 20% escrow next year. That's, That's a big number. That's a big, 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 big number. And then you add on to that something we're going to talk about next, which is another big deal, but soon. So 20% next year, the year after 14 to 18%, depending on how the league's grown. I think it'll be 18% because I don't think the league will come back very strong. Then it just subsequently gets lower 10% and then right to 6%, 6, 6, 6%. So that cap at 6% is a big deal because if you're still losing money at that point, that means the owners, they will be forced to lose money. So it's, it's, kind, of a, it's kind of a cool thing. The next thing, a salary deferral. I don't understand this fully. Maybe you might be able to help me out with this, Tim, but it says 
the players will defer 10% of their salary and signing bonus for next season. And then that will be paid back to players in three equal installments in 2024 to 2026. So does, is this just like another type of escrow? And why are the owners just taking 10% off if they're just going to pay it to the players? I don't understand that. Is I mean, it just assuming that the players are going to lose money down the line? And this is just like an extra little account that they're going to get money back or the owner's going to pull from this money. I don't understand that. So the players are deferring their, their, one of their paychecks for this year, and then it's going to be paid back in three installments in a couple of years. The players are deferring 10% of their salary and signing bonus next year to be paid back in three installments in the yeah, future. Sounds like they're helping out the owners there. I'm sure there'll be some, um, some kind of interest attached to that, but yeah, that sounds like a win for the owners or temporary just relief for them, I guess. So it just, the owners don't have to pay 10% of everybody's salary, basically. Year, or next year. Okay, so that's a win for the owners. But they still pay that money out into the system. It just takes longer. Yeah. Oh, okay. That makes sense to me. Interesting. Okay, so they're, they're scratching each other's backs a little bit with the salary cap, with the... 10% deferral with the last paycheck going to the owners. It's nice to see them working together. All right. No move, no trade clauses. So this was kind of big because of the PK Subban thing. He got traded from the devils to Nashville and then his no move clause apparently just went away. So that meant the, the Nashville or the uh, Nashville predators could trade him to anywhere they wanted. But now this is saying that if you sign a no move clause or no trade clause, with the team, it, it travels with you no matter where you go. So I think that's a little thing that's important because oh, yeah. you sign one of those deals, all of a sudden you get moved and it's like, well, it goes away. It's like, no, it doesn't go away. I assume that it stayed with you. I'm glad that they added that. Yeah, because that happened to PK. He he lifted his no move clause to go to Nashville. No, you, and then he went from he went from Nashville to he went from Montreal to Nashville, and then he lifted that no move clause. But it should have stayed with him. Like that, that should be his option to lift it or just put it back in place. And then Nashville yeah. shipped him off to the Devils because he didn't have that no move clause anymore because he got traded. Um, they got rid of front loaded deals. So no more big time deals where it's like, okay, we're going to sign you for 10 years at $100 million. The first year we're going to sign, we're going to pay you $80 million. And for the next nine years, you're going to get two. So they, they got rid of those. They, they had some monies whatever. It has to be a certain percentage from the last year to the first year, whatever. It's, it is what it is. It's just another like kind of way the owners, I don't know why they do it, but it's, it's, it's not a big deal. Uh, minimum salary is going to increase to 800 grand at the end of the deal. That's good. It's 700 right now, 750 next year. I don't know. Good for the, good for the low end guys. That's nice. Um, healthcare subsidy, rehab choice. That's great. No European waivers, the Ryan O'Reilly rule. If you're playing in Europe, you can sign in the NHL. You won't have to go through waivers. That's about it. What do you think, Tim? Yeah, I'm glad the, the deal got done. I think probably the situation of the world right now made this even more complex to to nail out. I guess if you had to like to sum up this deal in, in a sentence or two, how would you how would you do that? Yeah, I, I just think the the big deal is money. So I kind of did the math here at the after this playoff round is done the players will still owe the league $325 million. And that's a lot of money. And there's roughly 715 players in the league. So each player would owe the league 450 grand. So that's a lot of money to pay back to the league. And next year, they're not slated to make any more money, which is a tricky part. 
their revenue is slated to be cut in half because they don't know if the fans are going to be there, everything that goes along with it, ticket sales, revenue, grandstands, concessions, everything. So the players are slated to owe the owners. If projections kind of play out another six, seven, eight hundred million dollars. And so that's the tricky thing with this negotiation is to try to figure out how the players are going to pay back the owners and how the owners are going to be able to survive by not having that money in their pocket. And so this was the balancing act they tried to kind of keep in place. And I think they did a good job. They, they cap salary cap so the owners don't have to pay out any money. They did the 10% deferral for next year. So that's a big chunk of change that the owners aren't going to have to pay out. Because if, if your salary cap going to the players is roughly two, 2.5 billion, 10% of that is 250 million. So that's a lot of money. You don't have to put into the system this year. You can kind of pull that back. Now you're only looking at 2 billion, 2 billion, a little bit, you have to pay out. That's, that's doable. You know, that, that means you're making more money than you're paying out. Cause if you're pu- pulling in 2.5 billion and you're paying out 2.5 billion, 2.4 billion, you know, you're not making any money. So I think that was a big deal. And just to give the players some time to pay back that debt that they're going to owe. So to give them four five, six years to pay back that debt is, is a big win for the players because to expect them to kind of turn around next year and pay back that debt. And then to be saddled with another debt on top of that, the following year, it's just not fair because listen, the owners are going to get money from the Seattle expansion. They're going to get money from this big TV deal. And I think to give the players a little bit of, um, you know, leeway on that was a win. What do you think, Tim? I think that's a good, good win for everybody. Get back to playing hockey. It is a good win. Hopefully we can start focusing on the right things now with some of the stuff, you know, behind us and, and focus on keeping the players safe. But I think having this, you know, hopefully, is it official, official? Like, is it's this, official. Okay. So everything's inked in paper and everything and all that. This is inked. Everyone's voted on it. It's been approved. They um, approved it on Monday. So the next step is just to kind of go from here to the COVID to, to make sure that's all in order and make sure all everyone's safe, you know, phase three, phase four, and just get the ball rolling and get hockey started. And like I said before, they're going to, we'll see how basketball starts because basketball is going to be starting gosh, in a few weeks now, the first game is. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how this all plays out. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm waiting on faded breath. I think as all fans are, it's like, we just want to know. It's like, is it going to go or is it not going to go? We're tired of just like the back and forth to him and the Han, the this and that. It's like, we have so much negative news going on right now. It'd be nice if we can just go, boom, we're playing hockey. Let's go. Let's, let's see how this rolls. Man, I, I don't know. That's, that's how I think right now. Yeah, I hope so too. <laughs> All right. Well, let's wrap it up, Tim. We will uh we'll see how this goes. I think this was a good educational podcast for you, Tim. Did you learn? Did I learned learn a little so bit? much. Yeah, I'm gonna listen a couple of times to make sure I'm following the math and, and all this stuff. I think so too. And we never even got into the Panarin quote about escrow and this and that, or the owners have kind of drilled in and took took advantage of the players, but whatever. It's it's not a big deal. I think people have heard about that many, many times. So, anyways, I hope everyone's doing good. Hope everyone's staying safe. I feel like I've been ending the podcast like this for months now. It's getting old, but I truly mean it. Hope everyone's doing well and staying safe. Enjoying your time with your loved ones. You're not ready to strangle your kids like Scott on 4th of July. Don't even get me started. That's your, that's your new tagline. We need to print a t-shirt for that. Oh, don't even get me started. I love it. I should have took a picture of his face. It looked like his eyes were going to bulge out of his head. It was so great. I literally laughed for five minutes after that. I was just loving it. That stuff tickles me. Tickles me, tickles me. Oh, I just got a text from Joe Vitale. Remember him? No. 
Remember Joe Vitale, hockey player, played for the Penguins. I played with him. Oh, yeah, I do know him. Yeah, yeah. He just asked me to be on his podcast or his show. I guess he's got a show on ESPN Radio. He'd love to have me on tomorrow. Maybe I will, Joe. Maybe I will. If my wife's not in the hospital having a baby, we'll see. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening. Um, I hope everyone's doing good, and I will talk to you later this week. Cheers. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at dropping underscore gloves for episode highlights, behind-the-scenes content, sneak peeks, and giveaways. Check out johnscottallstar.com slash shop for merchandise, including T-shirts, hats, hoodies, and so much more. And please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's so important to helping us grow so we can keep delivering the hockey content and interviews with the players you love. Thanks, and see you next time. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0 and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair... Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire.